Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Hey man, let's go to the book of Psalms, 103rd Psalm. I almost told him to do that, do that twice. Um, you know, I just want to just say that if you have not been over there and looked at their room, that their uh, Gavin and Jess, Stanton and Abby, that they've done into that room, uh, go over there and look at that. Um, uh, you put them in the dark. <laughs> and, uh, but go over there and check their room out. Uh, they've done an amazing job with that room. Those kids are excited about what they're doing. And um, they're not only learning songs and dances, they're putting the word of the Lord in them. So I'm just thankful for that. But uh, Psalms 103, you there? I want to read a couple of verses. I actually want to read several verses of scripture this morning. And I, I just really want to talk about the vein that we've been in. And this morning I want to preach on uh, just the believer's benefit package. How many knows that God did amazing things for us through Christ Jesus on the cross? And if you don't know what belongs to you, you won't never ask for it. Or you won't contend for it. Um, uh, there's a reason why the Bible talks about uh, we are believers. we got to believe for something. You with me? And the, we're the fight, the fight of faith. And so I want to talk to us this morning. I'm just going to cover three things. Um, not going to hold us long. I want to cover three things that uh, I want to deal with this morning uh, in the moments that we have uh, time to get in the Word. So I want to begin in Psalms 103. I also want to read a verse out of Ephesians chapter 1. That we shared on Wednesday night. Psalms 103 verse 1 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget, look at this, not all His benefits. How many knows it's easy to forget sometimes what God has done for us? It's easy to get into mully grubs. Am I the only one? It's easy to get into mully grubs and forget what all God has done for us. But he says, What forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your what iniquities, who heals all, maybe some of them, who heals all of your disease, who redeems your life from destruction, and who has crowned you with uh, loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good, good things. And so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's read it one more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction, and who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth um, with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Ephesians chapter 1 uh, in verse 3. I want to read this uh, verse of scripture to us. All right. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, again, I thank you for your word. I pray that you anoint me afresh and let me preach good. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, according to Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says that God has blessed us. It doesn't say that he's going to bless us. He has already blessed us. Let's look at what the Word says. It says He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. If He's blessed me with everything, there's nothing else for me to ask for. Do you realize this morning that we are a blessed group of people in this room? Regardless, listen, if you drove to church, you wanted the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. Hello. How many thank God for the air condition? <laughs> All right. Listen, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And what that means is, I've already, so if, if, if he's blessed me with everything, listen, he is giving us everything that pertains to godliness in this life. He's already given me everything that I need to be successful and succeed on this side until I make it to the other side. He did not leave me down here to just hang on and be beat and battered by the enemy. He has given me everything that I need to be successful in this life. And how many knows this? The Bible says, if God be for us, then who in the world could be against us? He's for me to, to succeed. Are you with me now? He's not angry at me this morning as religion has put him as ruling with an iron fist. No, God is for me. He's excited about me. He's in love with me and he's giving me. And if he be for me, then who in the world could be against me? Now, when I was sitting down, I said, okay, God, I'm just, you can't, you can't preach a series in, in 40 minutes, so I just need three things to focus on this morning. So what I want to talk about is the, the new birth or the salvation experience belongs to us. How many believe it is the will of God that not any should perish, but all come to the knowledge of the Son of God? Now, let's look at this. In 2 Corinthians, I want you to travel with me in your Bible where you'll see these things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone, it didn't say certain people, it says anyone, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Look at this, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, one of the things that we've done in the past, we thought if anyone went to church, if anyone went to church, he must be a new creature. No, not going to church, not joining a denomination, but if anyone is what? In Christ, he is what? A new creation. Listen, God did not repair the old man. When I received Christ, he did not, make, he did not repair the old John. Or do a remodeling job on the old John. He totally destroyed the old me. And the Bible says he made me a new creation in Christ. That means I'm a brand new species. Listen, what that literally means is my sin nature was destroyed on the cross. I'm trying to help us here. Christ didn't just die for me, but he died as me. Let's look back right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Is this too loud? I don't want to be... I don't want to bother nobody. We're trying to mess with a new microphone. Therefore, hopefully I wrote this down right. Yes, 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So let me just say this. When we receive Christ, my salvation experience, God born, I became born again on the inside. The Bible plainly says. It says that the outward man is perishing. God didn't, re, he didn't renew the outward man. He renewed the inward man. This is where a lot of times we see someone get saved, but yet they're still struggling. And I grew up in a church, if you still struggled after you got saved, we come to the conclusion that maybe you didn't get it to start with. Would anybody else grow up like, if someone had a problem or an issue in their life and after they got saved, well, we said, well, they didn't get saved to start with. What we've got to understand is what happened is the new man on the inside got saved. It may take a little while for the outward man to look like what happened on the inside. Are you with me now? It may take a while because the kingdom of God is on the inside of a man. Listen, religion works from the outside in. God always works from the inside out. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the inward man, which is the heart of man. And that's what became born again when you got saved. Listen, if you smoked for 20 years when you went down, unless God did a miracle, your flesh man is still craving cigarettes. Are you with me now? But if you will hang on to the unchanging arm of Jesus, listen, what took place on the inside will eventually come out on the outside. Just look at your neighbor and say, he ain't done with me yet. All of us in here are not a finished product. We are all in a process of being changed from the inside out. Some of us has been, uh, been under more renovation than others, but we are all being changed from the inside out. There's no doubt, listen to me, the Bible says in Philippians, he that began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus. Listen, don't give up, don't lose heart because you slipped and fell. The Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up again. Is it too hot? The mic too hot? Am I killing you? Huh? Because I'm, I'm Pentecostal, so I holler, okay? Ain't that right, Junior? They said a teacher tells it, but a preacher yells it. The new man became a new creation. We used to say this, listen, that there, there was, uh, we used to sing this, we would say when we were running revivals that a soul got saved tonight. Listen, what happened is a spirit got born again tonight. The soul didn't get saved. The soul doesn't get saved. It's, the soul is being saved by the washing of the water of the Word. Help me out right here. Listen, I'm trying to help us because when you get born again, what happens is your nature changes. Now you don't crave the things that you used to crave. Because see, we got this thing, well, it's all by the grace. It is all by the grace of God. But what happens is once his nature comes inside of me, now I crave the things he craved. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect, neither is no one in this room. But what happened is my sin nature was destroyed. Now let me show you what the enemy does. Because listen, the enemy has no power except through agreement. What he tries to suggest to us is that that old man is still alive. We used to sing this song growing up in church that the old man is dead and that he's not far away. Listen, the old man is absolutely, de absolutely dead. And if the enemy can make you think that that old man is still alive, he's got the upper hand on you. Now you live through the new creation. So when we preach, we preach to the new creature inside of the man to try to pull the new creature forward outside of the man. 
Are you with me now? Let's move on right here. Look at Isaiah 53. So the new birth belongs to everyone in this building. New creation in Christ. He's destroyed the handwritten requirements that was against us. And now we're free in God. Now let's talk this other right here. I'm moving rather quickly. The last one I may hold up for a while, so don't get excited. If you're Pentecostal, you've got to go to 12 to make it a legal service. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Look at this, that healing belongs to the church. Healing belongs. This is the children's bread. This is our right. This is in our benefit package. When you sign up for a job, the first thing you want, most people want to know how much you're going to pay me, but you want to know all the benefits. Listen, I'm trying to share with you what's in the benefit package when you signed up and became a believer. And one of those things is healing. Listen, we do not have to walk around sick and diseased. Jesus has already paid for that. That's in our benefit package. Listen, we're not trying to get healed. We've already been healed. I'm not trying to get saved. I've already been saved. All right, let's look at this. Isaiah 53. Are you there? All right, let's look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. I'm reading out of the New King James. And carried our sorrows. That word, borne our griefs, is sickness and disease. And he has borne what? Um, uh, and carried our pain. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now this is Isaiah prophesying of a day called Calvary, when Jesus would go to the cross. He's looking unto the future, and he's prophesying what what Jesus would purchase uh, on the cross. Um, And so, uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, so... As, as in, in the Old Testament, we do see healing in the Old Testament, but we see it through men moving in strong, miraculous powers of God. And then when they would listen and become obedient to the word that was spoken by the prophet, we do see healing take place. But in the New Testament, we don't see nowhere in the book of Acts uh, that they prayed for healing. We don't see that they said, look, like we do it in the church. And uh, like we bring them down and say, Lord God, would you please uh, heal so and so today? That, we don't see that prayer in the book of Acts. We do see a command saying, be healed, or uh, that, that, because that's what Jesus did. Peter and, uh, and, and Paul would say, they would release a commandment, be healed. Are you with me now? So Isaiah said that, that by his stripes we are healed. Let's look at 1 Peter uh, 2.24. If you'll pull that up, just trying to give you some arsenal right here. Uh, most of you that um, a lot of you know this, but just trying to give some arsenal right here. First Peter chapter two, uh, verse twenty-four says this: "Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, uh, might might live." Uh, for, for, for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now Peter, look, Peter's talking to the church that is being, um, th- to the church that is, that is being persecuted. 
and he's trying to encourage the church that is being persecuted. Now, Peter, when he's preaching to the church, does it say by whose stripes you are healed? But he uses the word you were healed. Listen, what, one of the things that if, if we don't know that it's God's will to heal, and I've preached in a lot of churches down in the south. I've had the, the privilege of preaching in a lot of churches. And I've heard all kind of prayers at the altar. I've heard, God, if it be thy will, I can't tell you how many times I have been in church and I've heard, if it be thy will. Listen, if faith cannot exist where the will of God is not known. So if we don't know what the will of God is, there's absolutely no faith to see it happen. And healing is transferred by faith, not by fear, not by wonder. It is by faith and faith in the word of God and faith in what God has already done. So Peter said, by whose stripes what you were healed. Now in this place this morning, whatever sickness we're carrying, we're not asking God to come do something He's already done. We're accepting what we, we're accepting what has already been paid for on our behalf. Now, how did you get saved? You got saved because you heard a preacher preach that Jesus went to Calvary, died for you, and forgave you of your sins. And you believe that by faith. And when you believe that by faith, the Bible says you are saved. How are you healed? You are healed the very exact same way by believing what Jesus did for you, and you receive it by faith. Try to listen. You may still have the symptom. I'm not talking about living in denial or living in false reality. I may still have the symptom, but out of my mouth, I confess what has already taken place. By whose stripes you were healed. Well, why do people, why do, why do we still bury people? I don't know. <laughs> and I think, listen to me, I think, that that, I think that that's wisdom as a preacher sometimes to say, I do absolutely do not know. Because what happens when we say, because a lot of times we're afraid to say we don't know, and what we do is we come up with theology that does not line up with the Word of God trying to, trying to explain something. Listen, I will never reduce the Word down to my experience. I'm trying to raise my experience to match the word. Come on now. Listen, because we, have, because we are not experiencing more doesn't mean that there's more not available. And the problem is, is we try to adjust the book to fit our life instead of adjusting our life to fit the book. Come on, somebody. America's tried to fit that book to make Listen, it's never meant to do that. Are you with me now? It's meant for us to adjust our life to fit inside the book. Now, I do know this, that this is a, and there are roadblocks to healing and things like that. I understand all that. I ain't got time to cover that this morning. But I do know this, that a lot of times that someone would be touched by God, and I learned this when I, learned this when I went to um, the empowerment classes through uh, Randy Clark. And a lot of times as preachers, we used to ask people how many people been healed. What we were looking for is people to be 100% or an absolute miracle before our eyes. Now what Randy Clark and him, how many believe that God has touched you and you, are, and you are better than when you came in the room? Sometimes it has to be walked out. 
Are you with it? There are absolute miracles that happen instant, instantly, but there are some things that have to be worked out. Listen, if I got a problem in my knee, but after I receive prayer, that most, let's say, that 75% of the pain is gone, there's no doubt that God did not touch me. Now what happens is the enemy will begin to magnify the 25% that is still there. And what he wants you to say out of your mouth, there is power in the confession, friend. There's power of life and death in this thing called the mouth. And James said that ships being so large, yet they are guided by such a small rudder in the water. It's amazing what this mouth is bringing into our world every day. Either good or bad. The Bible says that those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. Listen, in one, I heard one guy say this. You, we are framing our world every day by what we are speaking out of our mouth. If you don't like what you see, change the language. Come on, somebody. If you don't like the temperature of your house, change the language. Start speaking different. So what happens is, is I put and I feel the 25% there. And the enemy, well, this is the, you didn't get healed. What he's looking for is for me to come in agreement that God didn't touch me. Listen, he has no power. He has no authority over the believer. But what he does has, when you agree with him, he is empowered. And when he is empowered, he will devour. I think a lot of times in church we're looking for something to happen so strongly when we, when we pray for healing. Let me say this. The greatest miracles I have ever seen, I did not feel the strong anointing when I laid hands on them. I think one of the things that God was trying to show me that is not by what I feel. Lord, we're so much infants. In, we're, we're infants in the spirit realm. We think we got to feel something so strong for something to happen. No, God's word is powerful whether we feel it or not. His word says that He's alive, stronger than any two edged sword. The word of God is true whether I feel like it or not. And a lot of times when I need to speak the word, I don't feel like speaking the word. I feel like putting a hat on, having a pity party, telling everybody how bad my life is. Listen, it's amazing when we speak by faith when we don't feel it and we start releasing the word and have faith in the word just because it's in the word. We preach healing not because we have seen miracles and I have seen miracles. We preach healing because it's in the Bible and it's the children's bread. Isaiah said that we are going to be healed. But Peter, let me just say this. Let me say this. When Peter's encouraging people, now check, check out the move of God that they were in in the book of Acts. Peter's seen some wild stuff. It was him with, the other, with, with, with James and John when they went into Jairus' house and Jesus kicked everybody out of Jairus' house. You with me? Remember that? In Mark chapter 5, they went to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter was at the point of death. And then while he was on the way there, a woman with an issue of blood pressed in and touched him, held him up in the city. Then they come back and told Jairus, don't even bother him anymore. She's already dead. Remember that? Jesus says she's not dead, but she's sleeping. Went in there, kicked half the folk out of there. I don't want to be ugly here, but sometimes you have to kick people out the hospital room if you want to see something done. 
I'm not fixing to pray for the sick and somebody dying and somebody in there saying, well, I don't know if it's the will. If you don't know if it's the will of God, then get down there in the waiting room because we know what the will of God is. And we don't need to fight through your mess. Listen, we got enough demons we're trying to fight and I don't need to fight through your unbelief trying to get a prayer up in here. We might as well go ahead and say it. Listen, if you believe God to do the miraculous, you already considered a crazy, lunatic person. But I'm sorry. He is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. I, the Lord God, changed not. If he did miracles in the Bible, he does miracles today, friend. My God. So, I mean, Peter seen all kind of stuff. He saw Jesus. They was in there carrying on. Going crazy, he kicks them out, probably put them down the dirt road. I know y'all see a sweet Jesus. We oh, so sweet. Listen, the Bible says he came in the triumphal entry and saw him selling doves in the house and went in there and opened a can in that place. Am I in the book? He didn't go in there and say, would you please leave out of here, little sweet child. He threw them out the back door and said, my house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. I always take that as a license. Sometimes you just got to slap people. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Lord Jesus. God help us, Jesus, right here. Peter had seen some miraculous things. Now listen. Now check this out. When Paul was in Ephesus in the church trying to run a revival. Couldn't make much happen in the church, so he left there and he went to a school called the School of Tyrannius. And the Bible says that there that extraordinary miracles were happening by the hands of Paul. So, that, so much that they were taking handkerchiefs and that they were laying them upon the sick and seeing them recover. And it says that they were laying handkerchiefs on people that were demon-possessed and demons was leaving people's bodies. Now, why didn't Peter say when he's writing to encourage the church, if you got sick people, why don't you call Paul because he's got some amazing stuff happening in his ministry? The reason why the Holy Spirit chose to highlight if we want to be healed to look back at what he already done because sometimes you can't find the preacher. We have to learn how to fight the fight of faith on our own. Listen, I got three boys and I can beat up the bully every day, but some sooner or later they got to be willing to face the bully. And even allowing them sometime to be knocked back a little bit wouldn't seem good, but it's training them to stand their own ground to fight. So healing, we don't look for it. And I don't pray this prayer, Father... Sometimes when I get to heaven, I want to ask the Lord certain questions. Like, what, what were you sitting there thinking when we were asking you for a lot of things? Like, you know, Lord God, would you please heal us? He's probably up there saying, listen here, would you please read the book? I've already healed you. Would you please read the owner's manual I left for you with? You've already been healed. Listen, if you know that you've already been healed, you don't have to ask for it. You will contend for it. Now, it's already happened in the realm of the Spirit. It's already been manifested, but it may not be manifested yet in my world. This is where faith comes in. 
This is where the currency of heaven is faith. And, and I believe that to get, to get greater faith, it comes by hearing the word of the Lord. It doesn't come just by putting a Bible in a cassette and, or CD and listening to the Bible being played. No, it's having a hearing ear to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. And the more you have a hearing ear, so my prayer for faith is this. God, please give me a hearing ear that I'll be able to hear your voice. Because the more I can hear your voice, the increase of faith I have. And so we're contending for it to manifest in this realm. It has already been taking place. Every person on the face of the earth has already been healed. They just simply have to receive what has already happened. Every person on the globe has already been saved. They were saved in Christ Jesus over 2,000 years ago. They just have to receive what has already taken place. Or are you preaching universal? No, I'm saying that they have to receive what has already been taking place. There has already been a way. The scapegoat has already come, which was Jesus Christ. Now, if you reject the scapegoat, friend, you don't enter in. Hot. I'll finish with the last one here. Now, we know this according to the when Jesus, when, you remember when the paraplegic, when Jesus come by and he told the guy to take up thy bed and walk, thy sins have been forgiven. Remember that? And they got ticked off and said, who is he that has power to forgive sins? And Jesus said, which is easier to say? Take up thy bed and walk, be healed, or thy sins be forgiven. Listen, salvation is a package. The church believes, a lot of times what we struggle with, the church believes that he's got power to forgive you of your sins. Well, he forgive you. He forgive you doing wrong, running to clubs and all of that. He's forgive you that. But salvation is a package. If you read it in the original language, it literally means sozo. And it means the, the forgiveness of sin, the healing of your body, and deliverance from torment. Deliverance from torment. Has anybody ever been tormented in this place? I've been tormented by fear before in my life. Big as I am, I've been tormented by fear. And you would be surprised how many people are tormented by fear. But salvation is a gift promised for the forgiveness of sins, the healing of your body, and the deliverance of torment. So the third thing, third thing I want to talk to you about is... That deliverance is mine. God wants us free. Did you hear what I said? God wants me free. He wants me free in mind, body, and soul. He wants me to be whole. Chris Valentin did a series one time talking about, it, are you living in a haunted house? Now let me say this, I had a guy, I remember on a Wednesday night, I had a guy that came uh, in this church, this was right, at, I mean I hadn't been here maybe six, seven weeks, and this is what he said, he said that he had done, um, <clears throat> it was a guy at the House of Grace that said that, he, he just said I'd done a lot of, lot of bad things, he said I just want you to pray that my spirit man can be healed, I said man if you're born again your spirit man's healed, there is absolutely no way your spirit can't be healed. You, you, you're a new creation. I don't care what you've done. You, you are a new species in Christ Jesus on the inside. Now, you might need some cleaning up in the soul. 
And we had all this kind of stuff, you know, where we went through about deliverance and all. Can a Christian be demonized? Well, the Bible says he can't have two masters. I mean, all of the, listen to this. Let me say this. Your house that you live in, your house that you live in can have termites and you not have termites. It's in the structure of the house. Let me say this. Now, remember what I said. When I got saved, I became a new creation in Christ, but I'm still walking around with a soul, which is the hard drive. God don't want us to be led by the hard drive here. He wants us to be led by the inward man, which is the spirit. That's why the Bible said the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And every time we goofing up in sin, we always, where the flesh is weak, we forget to say that the spirit's willing. The spirit in you is willing. So where the enemy, where the enemy has access to me is in the unrenewed mind. If the renewed mind is the gate of heaven, then the unrenewed mind is the gate of hell. You remember in Matthew chapter 16 where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ and, uh, and, and he said, Who, whom do men say that I am? And uh, he says, some say that thou art Elijah. Some, some say, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. And I say unto you that you're not Simon anymore, broken reed, but now you are Peter, Petra, a rock. And upon this revelation right here that you have of me, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not withstand. Now, after he, he's in the realm of the Spirit, he just had great success. The other's like, my God, Peter's a bad dude, man. Jesus just said he was a rock. He's going to build a church on the revelation he just got. Now, Jesus goes on to tell them that he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer and die. And Peter said, Lord, that shall never happen to you. And he turns around and looks at the same man that had the great success. He said, get behind me, Satan. You know that Bartholomew was like, how can he be the greatest right here preaching? And now he's the devil. He said, what? For you are what? Not mindful of the things of God. Listen, I'm trying to help. What is it? Our minds are not full of the things of God. This is how important that Bible reading is. Well, you just, well, we got to read the Bible. I, I can't remember what I read yesterday. Listen to me. I don't remember what I ate last Saturday, but I know this, what I ate took me up to this Sunday. That's the same thing with the Word of God. You don't have to learn how to quote the whole King James. Just put it in there. Listen, the Word is strong enough to engraft in you and penetrate in you and take root and to change. Should the third... Listen, if you feasted on miracles every day for seven days and somebody walked up to you in a, and they pushed a stretcher in front of you and somebody's about to take their last breath, you are full of faith to see them get up. Now, go to Colossians chapter 2. So what I want to deal with for the next few moments is the termites. And we all got termites to a degree. And let me just say this too. When we start talking about deliverance is mine, a lot of people get scared because some people need deliverance from their last deliverance. 
I've seen some down here the older people got you in the headlock screaming, hang on, let go. You don't know what to do. I, well, you want me to hang on or do you want me to let go? I seen a guy one night in the altar service, and I promise you, he spoke to the preacher, and this is what he said. He said, my God, just leave him in there. Talking about the devil. He said, just leave him in there, but this is killing me. Deliverance don't have to look like that. Deliverance takes place when you embrace the truth and denounce the lie. Did you hear me? Deliverance takes place when we embrace the truth and denounce the lie. Now, I read this Wednesday night. I want to pull this verse of Scripture back up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. You there? Look at this. He has. He's not. Listen. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sin. He what has delivered me from the power of darkness. What, that word darkness encompasses every weapon the enemy has. He has already delivered me from it. <laughs> Did you hear what I just told you? Every weapon the enemy has, God has already delivered you from it. And he has transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I cannot be dark anymore. I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Every craving that I had in the darkness has been transferred into the kingdom of light. Well, preacher, you don't know. You listen. I understand about. I understand about the rankings of angels and all of that. Listen, I'm not some great uh, guru, but listen, I understand that there's three archangels. I understand that the devil has his place. He's the third created archangel. There is. There's Gabriel. There's Michael. Gabriel seems to be the announcer of heaven. Michael seems to be the head military guy. He's the one beating up on people. And Lucifer was the other created archangel, which was the praise and worship leader of heaven till he fell. Are you with me now? But what we got to understand is there is no struggle. A lot of people think there's a struggle between uh, uh, good and uh, good and evil. Light and, there was absolutely no struggle with God and Lucifer. You remember when the seven when they come back rejoicing said, "Man, even the devils are subject to this name." Jesus Jesus turned around and chuckled, said, "My God, I thank the God." Then he turned around and said, "Don't rejoice that the demons are subject. Rejoice that your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life." But he said, "I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven." God did one flush and he fell to the earth. There was never no power struggle there. Are you with me now? And there's no power struggle with the believer. Well, you just don't understand how he's been beating up on me. Know what I'm telling you? Get the word of God in your mouth and reverse that thing around and take your authority in the realm of the Spirit and take your place as a soldier of Jesus Christ and put that enemy on the run. Hello? Now, someone said, well, I'm just pray I'm praying for his deliverance. I'm praying for her deliverance. You've already been delivered. 
I do not have to pray that you get delivered. You've already been delivered. Now, I do have to pray that you will realize what has already taken place. That your eyes be open to the truth that has already been taking place. Listen, the word translate means to take, one, take out of one kingdom and be placed into another kingdom. Listen to this. I haven't found one scripture in the New Testament or a, 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 one scripture of the New Testament of a believer praying, God to, praying for God to do something with the devil. He already has. And he's given, the, he's given us, the believer, on the instruction how to deal with the devil. Not one scripture in the New Testament do I see that Paul, Peter, or any in the book of Acts saying, God, would you please stop the, would you please, would you please get this devil off of us? Listen to me. It's kind of like this. I give this illustration a lot. That if Doug Hanks, which is our sheriff, hires a deputy, and the deputy's sitting right out here by the, by the um, where you turn to go up right here on the side of 41. And, and, and Matt just keeps coming through there, speeding, running 75 miles an hour, and he pulls him over. And he calls Sheriff Hanks. He says, Sheriff, I got him again. He's right here. I got him. I don't, he, he pulled over this time, and I got him. Would you come out here and please stop him from speeding? Sheriff Hanks ain't going to put up with that, but about twice. And what he's going to tell him is, son, when I laid my hands on you as a deputy and gave you the gun with more than one bullet in it and a taser, I give you the authority to deal with Matt on my behalf on the side of that road. Are you with me now? So you as the believer, you are an ambassador of Christ. On the earth walking, but not of it. Because you have already been seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's where your spirit man is. Where's the secret place? It's in here. It's not somewhere out there. God, help me right here. So what I am an ambassador on the earth here to represent Christ. I have been given all authority that is in heaven I have access to. So when the enemy rises up, I have the authority to deal with him. I'm going to show you two more scriptures right here. I'm going to let you go. Now, look at Peter. Let's go back to, uh, to the book of Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 5. Look at this in verse 8. He says this, now concerning the, concerning, uh, the devil... Be sober. That word means to be, to be um, self-controlled. You know what self-controlled is? That means you can tell yourself what to do and you do it. That means you can be inside a Dairy Queen and you tell yourself, I ain't eating a blizzard and you walk out without it. And the whole time you're sitting there enjoying the chicken strips, that blizzard said, come get me. How many knows we struggle with self-control? You ride by the billboard, there's a, it's hot. See, I just I feel right now the enemy's trying to pull me to Barney out there to the ice cream shit. I just felt it. I denounce you in the name of Jesus. I'll not go to Barney. I will not go to Barney. Don't be in Barney this evening if you see me. Self-control. He's telling us how to deal with the devil. Listen, I'm not telling you the devil. 
I'm not telling you that he does not have a place in God's created. Uh, uh, um, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that he doesn't have power. But what I'm trying to tell you that he has no power or authority over you. You as the believer, he doesn't have that authority. Lord, and we're all guilty of, of the mullet grubs, and then we start opening our mouth, killing everything. I believe that's why God, when he visited Zacharias in the temple, and he said, listen, you're old, you're going to give birth to a child, and he made him mute instantly. I believe the reason why he muted him is so he couldn't speak death over what God said he was going to bring into the earth. That's the power of your voice. Holy Ghost, something just, I'm, I'm telling you, cars like a freeway entering into this 64 megabit ram right here. Listen, if the devil's not a creator and he's not a creator, somebody said, well, that's devil music. There's no such thing as devil music. There may be some devil lyrics, but he can't create anything. He himself is a created being. How does the devil get stuff created in the earth? He uses the power of the voice of the believer to speak it into existence. Because let me tell you something, Adam, there's still some power in your voice. When you start opening your mouth in the garden, you're building, either one, you, you're building something. Now he said be sober. That means to be self-controlled. Be vigilant. Be watchful. We don't send soldiers over to war and we ain't studied no terrain in place. We don't go in there and say, I mean, I, boys, I don't know. I mean, just, hey, remember when we had the first desert storm? We had never trained soldiers on sand. We was over there with dark green camo. It didn't take us long to figure out, hey, we don't need our men dressed up in dark green camo. There ain't no, there ain't no green tree nowhere in sight. We laying out here in the sand. And so what we had to do is we had to relearn the terrain we were in and we had to train our men how to stand in windstorms, not just, not just rainforests and the jungle. And we adapted a camo. What this is, listen, I'm not telling, it's just saying to be, be, be watchful. Are you with me now? Be watchful. Know the situation that you're in. If I'm struggling with certain things, I'm not going to certain places where you, and I'm not going to listen to certain music. I've been, hey, I've been saved since I was 18 years old. I can still put some Leonard Skinner on it and take you back. Give me three steps. See, you've got to be careful. You don't want to take three steps back. You want to take three steps further in God. So this is what, be sober, be self-controlled, and be vigilant. Be watchful. Know your surroundings. For your enemy roams around as a roaring lion. He is not a lion, but he will mimic one. And the first thing he wants you to feel, he wants you to feel like he's bigger than you are. That's why the psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. God can't get any bigger than he already is, but he gets bigger, a whole lot bigger than our eyes when we start praising him. The problem that I brought in, the debt that I feel like I'm fixing to be crushed with, when I start magnifying the Lord, my problem gets smaller and my God gets bigger. Listen. Any, any problem or any thought that does not inspire hope is not a thought from God. God's full of hope. 
So this, he said, look at this. He says, be sober, be self-controlled, be watchful. For your enemy roams around for our adversary. King James, your adversary roams around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now let me just say this. I told you I may hold up on the last one. I'm still getting us out of here, okay? I'm, I'm hungry than you are. I ain't eight since uh, I fasted all night. Listen to this. The word adversary means opponent. You have an opponent. Are you with me? We have an opponent. And the opponent is after the believer. He's not after the unbeliever. He's already got the unbeliever. Why in the world are they fighting him? So when you, when you bought, if the preacher told you, if you give your heart and life to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. They told you a story. Because you got dropped off in a war zone. I know you didn't mean to, but that's the way it was. Jesus promised the environment he was taking you to when he said, I want you to be harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, for I'm sending you out, what? As sheep in what? The midst of wolves. I appreciate that environment, Jesus. No, I signed up just to go to church and to go to Barney and eat ice cream and have a great life. No, you've been set down as sheep in the midst of wolves and you have an opponent. But listen here, every good dad knows this. If you're going to arrange a fight for your son, you're going to send him in a battle. You know he can win. I'm trying to help you here. So listen, if you're in a battle, listen here, the fact that you are in the battle is a sure sign that victory's on the way because your daddy never sets you up in a fight that he ain't already prepared you to win. I'm trying to help us here. Listen, I'm done right here. I'm closing. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, it says, give the enemy, give the devil what? No place. He doesn't have a place. He doesn't have, listen, he has no place in your life unless you give it to him. Oh, preacher, you don't understand that they've been wearing us out this week. There's absolutely, I'm telling you right now, there's no way he's wearing you out. Well, you don't understand the tire blew out, the washing machine quit. There's a country song for that. It says, Sounds like life to me. Every person, listen, to believe, listen, I know we used to preach that mess about if you tithe, you wash, listen, everything's still going to tear up regardless if you tithe it. Don't get up here and preach that your tires is going to run 140,000 miles if you tithe. If not, I had a few good years that did not recognize me as a tither. Because it went out. How does the devil get a place? I got to give it to him. I pull out my property, deed, and I say, I'm going to deed you that little spot right there. That little spot of doubt in my life right there, I'm going to give it to you. That little spot every day that I wake up and say, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't think we're going to make it. I'm going to deed that spot to you. That's the only way. Listen, because according to the book, in Colossians, Jesus defeated him. He ain't got no feet. He defeated him. He has no feet. So the only way he gets around is you got to go pick him up like a backpack, give him a little ride, and bring him along. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the devil or the enemy is on the believer's back. I have never read that. 
It said that he is underneath your feet. Do you not realize you have been seated far above all principality in Christ Jesus? Now, here's the last thing I'm going to give us. Paul said in Philippians, pull up, uh, we still got somebody by, pull up Philippians 1, uh, 28. I could be wrong, I don't know. If not, we're going to know I'm not anointed when you quote it like that. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Wow, what a lucky guess. Look at this. And not any way terrified by what? Your opponent. When you get in the ring, show confidence. <laughs> I love to turn Rocky on. You remember Rocky? Man, they play that song, Eye of the Tiger. If you're watching that with three buddies, y'all getting in a fight within 30 minutes. Somebody's getting a black eye. That's the truth. You turn, I mean, listen, you meet, listen, you get in the gym, you don't never, you don't never hear. I ain't never been in a gym and they playing sad music. You hear Eye of the Tiger. You say, you might bench 225. Today, boys, I'm getting 265. Getting 265. Till it's quashes you. This is what it's saying. Listen, and by any means, don't be terrified of your opponent. If you are fearful of the opponent, you are sure to lose. What he's saying. When it goes to prayer, it says this. If we, this is the confidence we have in God. What First John 5? This is the confidence we have in God. If I ask anything according to His will, I know He hears. And if I know He hears, I have what I ask about. This is the confidence. This is confidence in God when you get in the ring. This ain't confidence in your goodness. This ain't confidence in my fasting, my Bible reading, my Christian discipline. This is confidence in my daddy. This is confidence saying, listen here, devil, you messed up when you jumped in my lane. Hey, he's got his lane, which is the second heaven. Long as he stays there, he's fine. That's what God gave him to a boat in. But when you mess up and come in my lane, Jack, you've messed up right now. I'm armed and dangerous. It says by any means, let's pull it back up right there. By any means, when you're not terrified of the opponent, pull it back up right here. Because i got to finish with this. I want you to see this if you don't see nothing else. Philippians 1.28. Look at this. And not any way terrified of your opponent, which is them a proof that they are fixing to get whipped. Not fixing to, but it reminds them they were already whipped. Man, I'm telling you. God the Father is like Mickey beating on the ring, saying, get up, Rocky. When we are not alarmed. That's why Jesus cleared the room out in Mark chapter 5. Them people were already alarmed. Oh, she's dead. What's she even going to bring? Why you even troubled a master? She died just a while ago. It's the same thing when Martha run out and said, Oh, Jesus, if you would have come two days early, but you stayed at the beach, he would have lived. He looked at her and said, I am. 
not I will be, not I could be, not I used to be. I am the resurrection and the life. Show me where he's at. Mary was not running out, carrying on, saying he's dead, he's over with. Mary was sitting in the house waiting on him to get there. When I'm not alarmed, terrified. I remember Dr. Hagen said this. That the preacher come by and seen him when he was a little boy. He heard him talking to his parents. And they said, bless his little heart. Not many days now. And he's going to be gone. And he said he had done lost his voice. But he said on the inside he was screaming, preacher, I'm not dead yet. Here's a preacher and a child about to lose his life and the child got twice the faith the preacher does. Come back on him later in life and tried to take his life, I think, twice. But he said, to, he's laying there and he said, to, that voice told him, he said, I got you this time and I'm going to kill you. And Dr. Hagen said he just started laughing, just barely laughing. And he said, that spirit said, what in the world are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. And by no way, be alarmed or terrified at your opponent. When you stand in faith, you remind them that the work is already finished on the cross and that's what you're resting in. I'm resting in the goodness of Jesus. You're going down, buddy. You're not going to make it. You're worthless. Look at you with all the sin in your life. And you're going to that church. What kind of hypocrite are you when you stand? And you remind him, listen, I may have faults and I may have failures. But let me tell you something. I'm a child of the king and he's in love with me. And by no means be terrified of your opponent. Church, listen to me. Whatever battle you face, know this. He's already equipped you to win it. And the fact that you're in the battle is a sure sign that you're coming out on the victory. Now, I ain't saying that you ain't going to have to pray for some endurance. I have seen some opponents that had some great endurance. But I can promise you this. I've been serving God since 1998. And I can honestly say this. He's never failed me and her. Can anybody else in this room? Now sometimes we stay on the track and it seems like it's over with. The whistle's being blown. The light's right there. He comes through. And I've had some seemingly lost battles. You say, well, you know, I lost my loved one. I buried my dad. First, when we planted our church, it was the first funeral I preached. Planted the church in May, preached his funeral on well, August the 2nd, I think it was. He died July the 31st. I didn't lose that battle for him. Let me tell you something. Before cancer ever showed up in my house, my dad did not know the Lord, nor was he looking for God. Cancer lost, because when he died, it died. Let me just say this. When his body shut down, it died. He never died. <laughs> I didn't lose. Oh, I may have had to go through some years without him on the earth. But that's a fragment of what I'm going to spend eternity with him. 
Are you with me? Father, I thank you for the great victory of the saints. I thank you that we are victorious people this morning in this place. We are not a defeated bunch of foes. We are victorious in you. You always lead us into the victory. I thank you that the song in the red back hymnal, page 120, Victory in Jesus, is absolutely true this morning. There is 100% victory in Jesus. I thank you, Father, right now, God, that those are in this place that is in a great battle, I thank you for that opponent falling right now. We're by no means terrified of our opponent, knowing this, that you have already defeated him. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you will, stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of praise.